Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are indeed our Father, that you look down on us as your sons and your daughters in Christ. And Lord, we thank you that you do not just simply look down on us and observe what we do, but that you actually speak into our lives. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we know that you have spoken and we know what you have spoken by the fact that we have your word in front of us this morning. Lord, we pray that we may be children who love to hear the Father's voice. And we pray that we may be children who understand the Father's voice. Lord, we pray that you may help me by your Holy Spirit's power this morning to speak clearly about what your word has said. And we pray that as we listen to your voice this morning, we may be able to become mature and more like your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, I think we all recognise that the concept of faith is a foundational part of our lives. We have faith in all kinds of things around us. Every day we put faith in different things. Even now you're putting faith in the chairs that you are on. And some things are easier to have faith in and some are not so easy to have faith in. One of the struggles for me in life is when I go to change a car tyre. It's not a struggle for me in the fact that I can't do it. Many of you may be just surprised to consider that I can actually change a car tyre. But it's the car jack that always makes me a little afraid. It's such a tiny little thing. And yet it's meant to lift up this large, heavy vehicle, which I can't even begin to lift up. And I'm meant to trust it as I change the tyre on the car. And so every time I do it, if I haven't rung the NRMA, I have this deal that if I'm at home, I ring the NRMA and get my money's worth from them, and they come out and change the tyre. If I'm in a hurry and I'm on the road, well, then I change it myself rather than call the NRMA. But if I change it myself, I always have this pressure that, is that really going to hold? It just looks so tiny. But I am called to trust in it. I'm called to put my faith in that carjack. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Not carjacks, but faith and the whole concept of faith. Because that is what we're taught about in Hebrews uh, throughout the book, but particularly in chapter 6, verse 1, the concept of faith comes up. We've been slowly working our way through the book of Hebrews. And we last week started on verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 6, and we finished five words short of the end. And those are the five words that we'll be looking at this morning. Last week we saw that there are some things that are foundational to the Christian faith. In fact, we've been looking at that for a few weeks, that we need to grow up in the faith. We saw back in, for example, verse 12 of chapter 5 of Hebrews, that people are behaving like students rather than in, as teachers, and they need to grow up and become teachers in the faith. It says in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 5, page 1187 of the Black Church Bibles, it says, in fact, though by this time you, the readers of the letter, ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's work, word all over again. And then we see that he also says you're not just like students, you're like infants. He says in verse 13, anyone who lives on milk being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. These readers, they're behaving like infants. They're simply drinking milk all the time rather than being mature in Christ. And then last week we saw how people are to grow up. And one of the ways is by recognising that there's elementary teachings of the Christian faith 
and then having those and moving on. And so we started to unpack those. There's actually six of them. I'm not sure how many sermons I'll get out of them, but we had got one out of them last week where we saw that the first elementary teaching about Jesus Christ is of repentance. Verse 1 of chapter 6, page 1187 of the Black Church Bible says, Therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. And so last week we looked at what is repentance? How can we know that we have repentance? The, the foundational truth of Christianity. And is it even indeed a foundational truth of Christianity that we need to build on, as the author says here in chapter 6, verse 1? And so we looked at repentance and saw that it is indeed a foundational truth that we need to build our Christian life upon. And so this week we're going to look at the second foundational truth, and that is given to us in chapter 6, verse 1, and that is the concept of faith. And we see that in chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, so grow up, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. And of faith in God. So the first thing we've got to ask this morning as we look at the concept of faith is it one of those things that is indeed foundational to Christianity. That's what he says here in chapter 6, verse 1. He says, Therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. It seems that he's grouped the two there together, and he sees these two as foundational truths of Christianity. If you don't have these, then you're not a Christian. But is that what the rest of the New Testament teaches? Well, that's my first main point this morning, is that faith is indeed foundational. Faith is foundation. If you, foundational. If you want to follow along with my main points this morning, you can see them there on the back of the church bulletin. And the first is that faith is foundational. Faith, as a foundational truth of Christianity, is there from the beginning of the New Testament to the end of the New Testament. We see with the beginning of the New Testament really starts off with, well, John the Baptist with his ministry. I mean, it depends which gospel you go to. Of course, you've got the birth of Christ or in John's gospel. You've got in the beginning was the word. It goes right back to the beginning. But with the New Testament, the ministry really kicks off with John the Baptist. And what does he teach? Well, we saw last week that he taught repentance. And Jesus says that he also encouraged people to believe We read in Matthew 21, verse 32, where Jesus says, For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Belief is something that we are called to do. And Jesus rebukes people for not believing as John called them to believe. And Jesus himself actually tells people to believe. We read in Mark 1, 14, verse 14, it says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent, which we saw last week. And then what does he say next? Repent and believe the good news. Belief is foundational to Christianity, according to Jesus. He starts off his ministry telling people to repent, but also believe. And Peter, the apostle, after Jesus has died and been raised to life and gone, ascended back into heaven. We read that Peter regularly tells people in Acts to believe. 
And we read of him even telling others that that's what he's been doing. It says in Acts chapter 15 at the Jerusalem Council in verse 7, he says to the other Christians, Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel, hear it, and believe. They're supposed to believe, Peter says. And Paul himself says as well, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And then in the Revelation, in church in Pergamum, it's commended for their faith. I know where you live, it says in Revelation, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who, has, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Faith is said to be something that the church is commended for in Revelation. Now, some of you may have been saying, oh, hang on, you were talking about faith before, now you're talking about belief? You just proved that people are meant to believe, not have faith. And so you may be saying, oh, well, what's going on here? Yes, you're saying that belief is foundational, but what about faith? Well, I've given you a whole bunch of proof texts there that actually translate one Greek word as believe, but in another place in Revelation there as faith. One Greek word is actually translated in English by three English words. Faith, belief, and trust. They all, in, in Greek, it's all the one word. But we have three English words for those, uh, for that one word. And at different points in the Bible, in the New Testament there, you, you'll have the Greek word behind it, which you don't really know unless you know some Greek, and you will see trust, you'll see belief, you'll see faith, and it's all the same thing. The trouble is, in English, we have nuances with faith and belief and trust. We have some sort of differences of opinion about what those words actually mean. And so though we have faith is clearly a foundational, te- a foundational truth of Christianity, John the Baptist preached about faith, Jesus preached about faith, the apostles preached about faith, including Peter and Paul, and then we see their angel, well, Jesus is commending a church in Revelation for having faith. It's foundational truth, but what does it actually mean? We've got belief, trust, faith. What does it all mean? And so that's what we're going to look at today. What is faith? And I'm going to have to look at the three English words that we use to translate it to try and unpack it for you. I'm not a fan of actually having the three words mean different things, although I recognise in English people have that because, let's face it, Greek just has one word. And so if I say faith, you should think that means the same as belief. And if I say belief, you should think that means the same as trust. And if I say trust, you can keep going. It means faith. It all means the same thing. But this morning, for you to understand a little better what it means to have faith, because if it's a foundational truth of Christianity, then we'd better make sure we have it. So how do we know what faith actually is? And that brings me to my second main point this morning. Faith is faith. And then we'll look at my third main point, which is faith is believing. And then, of course, faith is trusting. Firstly, faith is faith. What does faith mean in English? Not in Christianity at first. What does faith mean in English? Well, for some people, they think that faith is simply when you believe in someone or trust someone with no evidence to support it. You say, I have faith in my football team. Now, that means that they're going to win the grand final. And people will roll their eyes. Why do they roll their eyes? Because they 
may know something about your football team and they know that it's clearly not going to win the grand final, but you have this unreasonable faith. There is no evidence to support the fact that they will make it to the grand final, that they will win, and yet you still have faith in them. And people roll their eyes at you because you have this ridiculous thing called faith in your football team. But we've got to understand that faith we also use in English to refer to people believing in something with evidence. Faith usually has with it the concept of evidence. And that is what the Christian faith is. In the Bible, when the word faith is used, it's used with the underpinning idea that there is evidence behind your faith. And let's face it, sometimes you can, in English, use the word faith in that sense. It's not always unreasonable faith. You use it with reasonable faith. You can have faith that your football team will win the grand final, and depending on who your football team is, you may have extremely good evidence to, to say so. I mean, if it's in the grand final, well, then you've got very good evidence to say that your football team may win the grand final, and you have faith in it. It's very hard for me to use football illustrations because I follow no football whatsoever. But anyway, I think most of you understand the concept. There is reasonable faith and there is unreasonable faith. And the Christian faith is reasonable. And we see that in John chapter 14, verse 11. Jesus says, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. He says, believe me. You say, well, why should I believe you, Jesus? What does he say next? In John 14, 11, he says, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Jesus has given good reason for you to trust in him. What is that good reason? What is the evidence of your faith? Well, he points to his miracles as one reason, or many reasons, if you look at all his different miracles. He says, trust me. I will look after you. You say, why? says, look at the power that I have. Look at my miracles. And I mean, the greatest of all miracles, where he raised himself from the dead. He says, I lay down my life, but I also take it up again. And so if he can raise himself from the dead, then I've got good evidence to say that he can also raise me from the dead, and I should trust that he can do so. I can put my trust in him. I can believe that that is so. I can have faith in Jesus to raise me from the dead because of the evidence that he gives me. So Christianity is not a blind faith. Having faith in Jesus Christ is not a blind leap of faith with no evidence whatsoever, just like believing that your football team will win the grand final when all evidence points to the contrary. Faith in Christ, faith in God, the Christian faith is a faith that is built on evidence. It is a reasonable faith. So what else is faith? The Christian faith. Build on evidence. What else can we understand about faith? Well, I think we can also look at the fact that faith is believing. And that's my third main point this morning. Faith is believing. Now, what does the word believe mean in English? Well, of course, there's many meanings, but one of them is that I think the most common one is that it's an intellectual activity. You believe in something means you affirm that it is true. And that is part of the concept of biblical faith, is an intellectual assent to a truth. You're saying, yes, I believe that is so. Just like in English, you may say, yes, I believe Paris is the capital of France. It's a truth that you're happy to affirm. You can't know 100%, maybe, unless you've been over there and you've got other evidence. You, you may make a stab in the dark, but you believe that it is true. 
And it's the same with Christianity. You're meant to make an intellectual assent to a certain truth. And then you're said to believe that it is true. And that's what we see even in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. There's meant to be a profession of faith. What do we read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, page 1186, the next page back from where we're looking at today in our church Bibles? Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. If you profess something, you confess it, you say that it is true. And so if you have the Christian faith, then you're actually saying that something is true. It's an intellectual thing that has happened, and you're confessing that it is true. But an intellectual affirmation is not all that saves us as Christians. We can, we can make some profession of faith. We can believe something is true. But for some people, that doesn't mean that there's another element of their faith, the trust element hasn't come into play, which we'll look at in a second. Because some people can believe things about God, but that doesn't make them a Christian. For example, in Acts chapter 26, Paul says to King Agrippa, he says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. He says, you believe the prophets, Agrippa. And I'm assuming Paul knows that Agrippa actually does believe the prophets, what the prophets have said about God. But then what does Agrippa say to Paul? Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? He obviously doesn't affirm what the prophets say, or otherwise he'd affirm that Christ is indeed true. At that point he is believing some things, but he hasn't actually committed himself over. He has a faith, but it seems to be this intellectual idea. And another example of people having an affirmation, happy to make an affirmation about something to do with God, and clearly not being Christians, is, of course, what James says about demons. What does James say in in chapter 2, verse 19? He says, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. The demons are happy to make an intellectual assent to who God is. But clearly, demons aren't saved. They shudder at the thought that there is one God. And so we can have faith and it not be, we, we're happy to affirm things about God. But there's an element that's missing if we think that belief is, or faith is just simply an intellectual affirmation of something about God. It has to be more than that. So what is faith? We've seen that faith is faith in the sense that if it has evidence to support it. We've seen that faith is something that requires an intellectual assent. There's something missing. I think that if you have that kind of idea in English, what else is faith if it's a foundational part of Christianity? Well, that brings me to my fourth main point this morning. Faith is trusting. Faith is trusting. And I think this is the best way to describe Christian faith, is the word trust, because most people have the idea of trust firmly in their head. If you say faith, they think, oh, it can be unreasonable faith. And if you say belief, they think, oh, yes, it's just an intellectual thing that you affirm. But when you say trust, they recognize that it's something personal if you say trust. Because we do that all the time. And even my opening illustration about the carjack. I have faith in the carjack, yes. I believe the carjack will hold up the car, yes. But it requires trust if I particularly if I get under the car while it's on the jack. There's a personal 
application of my knowledge about that carjack. And we see that with other people as well. When we trust someone, it can have severe consequences if we trust the wrong kind of people. It can mean that there's great pain that will occur in our lives. If we trust someone and they end up hurting us, well, that means that we've personally given ourselves over to that person, whether it be a parent or a friend or even a boss at work or another work colleague. If we've trusted them for something, then it can actually be personally damaging to me if I have trusted the wrong kind of people. And that is the idea with biblical faith with biblical believing, with biblical trusting. That one Greek word that's translated three different ways in English, which gets confusing. But I think trust is probably the best way to convey it to most people. Although I'm, I'm a bit of a purist and I like to keep using faith and belief all the time anyway to try and get people back to thinking that it's all meaning trust. Trust involves personal, a personal... Um, You've, you've made some sort of personal impact upon yourself if you trust something. And we see that in what the Bible teaches us about faith. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Yet to all who received him, that's Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave right to become children of God. See what it says there about believing? It says, who believed in his name, believed in Jesus' name. But before that, it says, to all who received him. That means you had to actually receive Christ. If you're to believe in him, you're meant to receive him. Something's had to happen between you and Jesus Christ if you're a believer in him. It's not something distant like, I believe Paris is the capital of France, and really Paris and I have no real connection other than me affirming that. No, if you believe Christ, that means you've received Christ, and if you've received Christ, then something's actually happened to you because of Christ. And so you actually rest on someone if you trust them. You rest on them. And that's what chapter 6, verse 1 teaches us in Hebrews about faith. What does it say there? It says, Therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, and of faith in God. In God. See that little word in there? That can be translated, there's a little Greek word behind that word, and it can be translated on God as well. In God, on God. If you're on something, then you're having a personal relationship with that thing that you're on. It's almost like it's supporting you. And if it falls, you're going to fall too because you're on it. And so we see that the idea of faith in the Bible as a foundational truth of Christianity, involves trusting. It involves faith, if that's an idea of evidence. It involves an intellectual affirmation, if that's what believing is. But it also involves trusting, which means that we commit ourselves over to something. Now the question then is, what is that thing that we commit ourselves over to? Because you can have faith in lots of things, as I've said before. You can have faith in a carjack. Is that what Christianity is about, having faith in carjacks? No, it's about something else, putting your faith in something else. What is the thing that you're meant to be finding evidence for for you to have faith in? What is the thing that you're meant to be finding out about so that you can make a mental affirmation of? What is the thing that you're meant to be trusting as a Christian? Well, that brings me to my fifth main point this morning. Faith starts in God. What is it we're meant to trust? Well, it tells us there in verse 1 of chapter 6. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ 
and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, and of faith in God. In God. God is the one that we're meant to be trusting. God is the one that we're meant to be intellectually affirming. God is the one that we're meant to be looking at evidence for so that we can have faith in him. And that is what happens when we become a Christian. It is a foundational truth of Christianity. When you become a Christian, you trust in God. If you do not trust in God, you're not a Christian. Just like if you do not repent of your sins, you're not a Christian, as this text has told us. You've got to trust in God. What do you trust in God for? Well, particularly the forgiveness of your sins. You have a great problem in your life. And that is your sinfulness, that you have committed sin after sin after sin against God. And you need forgiveness, or otherwise you're going to be eternally damned in hell. And so when you become a Christian, you trust in God for the forgiveness of those sins. And so we need to trust him. And we need to trust that he's done that through Jesus Christ. We need to trust in Jesus Christ as well. You may say, oh, but this text says we're meant to have faith in God. Now you're saying I need to have faith in Jesus Christ, that he has forgiven my sins through his work at the cross, that his blood shed for me. Well, listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 44, he says, when a man believes in me, that's him, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When you believe in Christ, you believe in the Father who sent Jesus Christ. When you believe in the Father for the forgiveness of sins, you're believing in Christ as the means by which you are forgiven, by his work at the cross. And so faith is foundational to Christianity, but it's got to remember it's faith in God, trusting that he has paid for your sins by the work of his son, Jesus Christ. Now remember, we looked at this last week, that the whole teaching of chapter 6 uh, and earlier verses in chapter 5 is that we're meant to move on from these things. And so you may be saying, okay, well, does that mean I stop trusting in God for salvation from my sins, that I trust in him for forgiveness of sins and then I can move on and trust in other things? Because remember what it says in chapter 6, verse 1, it says, therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Let's leave faith, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Remember last week I said that this is not leaving in the sense that we leave it behind. It's a building on top of it. Remember it says foundational there. That means we start as Christians with faith in God for our sins to be forgiven, but we don't stop that, but we've got to stop the whole concept that We've got to keep laying that foundation of faith in God again and again. Like some people always are those ones who are always converting from non, being a non-Christian to a Christian. Whenever there's an altar call, they're the ones who go forward and they're the ones who repent. They're the ones who believe. Every week they seem to do it over and over again. We don't need to lay that foundation again because if you're a Christian, you've already done that. You've trusted in Jesus Christ for your sins. And it's not that you've stopped trusting in Jesus Christ for your sins, but you move on. And faith continues all through your life. And that's my sixth main point this morning. Faith continues in God. We continue to believe as Christians. 
I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. We have them remaining in our lives. And in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says, The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He lives his life by faith in the Son of God. We're meant to continue in the faith, but if we follow the teachings of Hebrews chapter 6 here and we leave that faith in the sense that we build up on it, we need to continue in faith in God for forgiveness of sins but for other things as well. And that should happen as a Christian. Our faith actually increases. When you first become a Christian, let's face it, you hand over your sins to him, but how much else of your life do you hand over to him? But as you find out more about God, And as you find out more about Jesus Christ and his righteousness, his work that he did for you at the cross, your faith in God increases and more and more of your life you hand over to him. And that's what the author of Hebrews is trying to teach us here. He's saying that these readers, they're not acquainted with more knowledge about Christ and so their faith They need to leave what they first found out about and they need to grow in their knowledge of Christ so that their faith can deepen and increase. That's what verse 13 told us. It said, anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. When you become a Christian, you know some things, but then you're meant to grow, become more acquainted with righteousness. And I said last time that has to be about Jesus Christ and his righteousness because in the later chapters, that's what the author keeps going on about. He's about to teach these, all, uh, these readers what Christ's righteousness is all about. And as they have that understanding of Christ's righteousness, they, their faith will increase. And they'll hand more and more of their life over to God. Because I recognize even in my own life, there are some sins that I still don't want to give up. There are some things where God has told me, you don't do that job. And do I hand that over to him? Do I trust him? that he knows best about that sin? No, I don't because I keep doing it. But if I learn more about Christ and his righteousness, my faith for him will deepen and I'll trust that he knows best. And when he says it's wrong and it's not good for you, Joel, one day I hope I start trusting that that is so and I work towards that. And the way that I find out how to trust him more is find out more about him and his love for me, and what he did in the later chapters of Hebrews where it talks about his sacrifice, the the sacrifice he made, him as high priest, but then the sacrifice that he is himself and how he atones for my sin. And I've got to recognize more and more about Christ, which then draws me closer to him, which means that my faith for him increases. Because we have faith. We're like that person who said to Jesus, that they said, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. We need to deepen in our faith. We don't keep going on about what we do believe because we've got that. We've got that nailed. It's what we don't believe that we've got to keep moving on and knowing more about God and so we grow in him. So question for you this morning. Have you got the foundation of faith in God? Are you a non-Christian? You're here this morning and you don't have that foundation. You haven't looked at the evidence for Jesus Christ, death, as payment for your sins. You haven't made an intellectual affirmation. You haven't believed that it is true. And you haven't trusted Jesus Christ for the salvation of your sins. You're trusting in something else for your sins, possibly. I encourage you, don't do that. Trust in Jesus Christ today. 
If you want some evidence, speak to me afterwards. I can give you lots and lots of evidence that Jesus Christ is who he claims to be and he is worthy of your trust. But if you are a Christian, are you someone who recognises that you have real problems in your life still? That there are areas where you still have unbelief about many things, about the commands of God, Maybe you're worried about what might be happening for you, to you in the future and so you don't trust that God has it all planned out for you and that's going to be okay, he's, he's, he's got you, he's sovereign. Then you need to move on from a simple childlike faith, grow in that faith. And the way to do that is learn more about Christ, learn more about God. And as you learn about them, as you maybe go home this afternoon and read chapter 7, 8, 9, 10 of Hebrews. Look for how your love can deepen for God. Look for how your love for the Jesus can deepen. And as you do that, you'll become stronger. You'll be eating solid food. And so when trials come along, when suffering comes into your life, you won't have that childlike little faith that does save but can be really shaken up. You'll have a strong, robust faith because you've moved on from that foundation of faith and you have a deeper faith in Jesus Christ and his loving Heavenly Father. Let us come before our God in prayer. Let us speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us the gift of faith. We thank you that we can trust in you for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we pray that we may not settle for a simple faith that does indeed save but is so easily shaken by suffering, by torments, by temptations from Satan. But Lord, may we become acquainted with righteousness, Christ's righteousness, and may that make us firmer in our following your Son. Lord, we pray that when trials and tribulations come to us, that we may be able to stand firm, because we've moved on from that foundational faith, and we have a rich, richer and deeper faith in Jesus Christ, that cannot be shaken. We indeed have a shield of faith that can protect us from all the flaming arrows of the evil one. We pray for anyone this morning here this, in this room that hasn't laid the foundation of faith in Jesus Christ. We pray that they may do so this morning, recognising that they are a sinner. May they turn to you in repentance and trust that you have forgiven them through the work of Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen.